Welcome to this special episode of the Bromley Buzz podcast with Darren Wheel of Intune PR and Zenat Nurani of Vida Della Mariposa Coaching. In episode 12, we included part of an interview with Councillor Tony Owen of the Pets, Wood and Knoll Award. Tony is also the Deputy Mayor of Bromley. What you are about to hear is the full version of that interview. So you've been Deputy Mayor... Uh, for a little while now, because it runs May to May, as does yes. the mayoralty in general. And I've been deputy mayor before, 15 years ago. Well, <laughs> 2007. Well, welcome so, back. Yes. Would you like just to tell us about yourself, in general terms? Well, I'm a, a child of Chislehurst and Sidcup Urban District Council. So, uh, my first school was Mead Road in Chislehurst, and then I went on to Red Hill, and I've paid a visit there recently because they're having their 70th anniversary. And I took along an old football photograph and caused mayhem in the classroom, uh, getting kids to see if they could recognise which one in the photograph was me. And not many got it right, um, but our attendant over there did. And I asked him how he guessed it, and he re- reckoned it was the eyes. So that, but nothing else is similar. <laughs> So that, that was good fun. Anyway, I'm hoping to go back to Redhill School and we may, um, six of the team we know to be alive, one we know to be dead and the others, we don't know where they are, but we thought it'd be fun to go along maybe um, to a fete or something and have the footballers there plus the photograph and run ourselves as a competition. Guess who's who in the photograph and with a suitable prize. So that should be fun. Did you say prize? I'm going to have a quiet word with Neil. Find out. And um, there I went to Hurst and Sickup Grammar School, which was kind of the St. Olaf's of its day. Certainly sent lots of people to Oxford and Cambridge, which was always the ambition. And then I joined Phillips, the Dutch electrical giant, where I trained as an accountant and spent 40 years in the electronics industry, electronic components and electronic components as we know go into everything so really interesting um, at one time I knew where night vision tubes and infrared devices were going in the world with armies spying on one another so I had to sign the official secrets act so really quite an interesting Very career interesting. in the electronics industry and of course Philips invented cassette tape and video 2000 Lots of good, so it's a really good company to be with. Um, I think it's Dutch Calvinists set it up, so there's a very almost Christian ethos in the company, which is really nice. And right from the word go, it's all Christian names, which is very, very unusual. Mm. Back in the 60s, it was always Mr. This and Mrs. That, so that was quite good. And with the company, I spent two years in Southampton, at their Southampton factory. So that was thoroughly enjoyable, going out in the New Forest, uh, beaches at Muddyford. And then back, and I've worked in uh, their factory in Mitcham, which is now closed at a housing estate. And Pearly Way, which used to occupy, used to have a big television factory. That's gone, that's all shops. And the research labs in Red Hill, they've gone. Um, so Phillips had a really big presence in South 
London, particularly Croydon. So, um, and I go to events, and it mentions um, on the mayoral leaflet um, what I did, and you meet lots of Phillips pensioners. So that's uh, quite a good thing. And then I joined the Young Conservatives when I was living in Wimbledon, because uh, at the time I was told that's where the best women were. Um, <laughs> um, didn't have social media in those days. And, and indeed I did marry a Young Conservative. Um, but I got him asked if I would uh, be a councillor there. So I was councillor there from 1978 to 1982. Uh, I got involved with Wimbledon Football Club, which was then in the Southern League, mm -hmm. and did their half-time music and everything else and all the announcements. So that was really interesting. Um, I left the council in 82 before Mrs May joined it in 86. So whether that was a shame or a lucky escape, I'll leave you to judge. Um, what was very interesting though with um, obviously the sad killing of David Amos um, is when I was in in Wimbledon, the MP was Sir Michael Havers, and his flat got bombed by the IRA. And when we did advice bureaus uh, with Sir Michael Havers, there was an armed guard outside. And one little amusing anecdote, Sir Michael Ho Havers is the father of Nigel Havers. And in those days, they didn't have video recorders. And so Sir Michael said to me, oh, Tony, will you take these last two or three constituents? Um, because I've got to get home to see Nigel on television. So they didn't know why they got the councillor on the MP. But that's why, little secret. And then the strange thing is, when I came to Alpington and became a councillor, um, Ivor Stanbrook, the then Alpington MP, was chairman of the Northern Ireland Backbench Committee and lo and behold, uh, MP and me as a councillor doing our surgeries and there's an armed guard outside again. So things sort of come round, it's different people now and less easy to recognise, but there's always been that danger there for elected representatives. And I've had um, wheel nuts loosened on my car, on my drive. Ouch. Um, I've had my car vandalised on my drive. and. Mm -hmm. It's very sad, probably about half the councillors now don't put their home address on the website because things can happen, mm -hmm. which is such a shame because we're just mm -hmm. ordinary people living in the neighbourhood. Um, we see and hate just the same as our neighbours and doing our best for the neighbourhood. And then people do that if you're not doing it quite the way they see it. So, mm -hmm. oh, very sad. Well, one of the things that you're doing right now, of course, is being Deputy Mayor. Yes. Uh, what do Deputy Mayors do? The prime thing is to support the Mayor, because the Mayor is the Queen's representative in the borough, and we're very proud of our Mayor, and as the Queen uh, pays visits, so the Mayor pays visits. And unless you've been... If you visit a voluntary group that work really hard all the time, and then the mayor visits, it's just amazing what a difference it makes to that group. They feel appreciated, and of course there's the opportunity as well. Um, we have a, a newsletter on the website, and 
Facebook pages, so we are able to give them publicity. And then we turn up in our red robes for certain things, which always looks good. You mentioned the chain I'm wearing mm-hmm. today. And, and then they can put that on their website or whatever. So it's a, a real win-win. And then the other thing we do, we quite often get invited to mayors outside the borough and everyone has their charity, so you get invited to quite a few charity things. And I've had some quite interesting things. Morris Stancers in New Romney. And um, I was shocked to find it not Morris men down in <laughs> New Romney, which is quite interesting because the, the Bromley Morris men... Uh, are there some? There are. Oh, what a discovery. Um, mm-hmm. With our twin town in Neuwied, they are the star attraction because Germans cannot believe um, men all dancing around. Well, to be fair, that's the nearest thing to <laughs> British wearing lederhosen, I think. It could well be. So, um, yes, yeah, so that was interesting. And then I also was a guinea pig for the Kenton East Sussex Railway. They're going to be running cream teas next year. And they they had a charity event with mayors, and um, we obviously publicise our event, so they come to our charity things. And then you're promoting the borough as well, to a degree. Um, so I think Neil, cream tea was good, wasn't it? N- Neil, by the way, is the attendant, but he was put in another carriage. <laughs> it wasn't with first. a lot more cream teas. <laughs> So that, and, and talking of cream teas, um, I went to the Methodist Church in Alpington where they were opening a big annex they built and um, that's ba- basically drop in for anyone who wants company or anything, rather the sort of things you've been talking. Okay. And um, they served a cream tea mm-hmm. and the, the minister was sort of oozing about the cream, the jam, and all this sort of thing. And then I was asked to say a few words, which was um, quite good. And one of the things they'd laid on was Indian dancers, which was good, because my last holiday, it's amazing to think it's still last year, um, was a tour of India, so that they might almost have done that for me. Uh, The other thing with the Methodist Church, my wife and I celebrated our Ruby wedding in May, and we managed, despite covid to visit Chislehurst Methodist Church on the very day, turned out to be a Sunday. So, so good connection with the Methodist Church. But when you say a few words, you sort of wonder how to bring it to a close. And I was sitting there listening about the talk of all the cream teas. Mm. And so I said how good everything was, and it could almost have been made for me. And then I said there was one thing that really troubled me about the afternoon and you you look at the faces and think what's he going to say and and I said I really don't know how you can square um, this cream tea with lead us not into temptation so so that did get a laugh I'm not sure if it was relief or or, or they thought it was funny but um, the the circuit minister was there and there was a, a really good smile from the front row so that was fun no, I'll tell you what, we, we really do love our food and our drink on this show. Uh, very important question for Bromley. We know what the deputy mayors do now, but as a 
as a citizen of the borough, uh, what would you say is the, a reason or reasons why uh, people should want to come here, businesses should want to come here, why we should be proud of the place where we live? Well, I think it, we claim it's clean and green, and we've added safe to the clean and green, and I think um, possibly less so at the Pengen, but a lot of the borough is green, and Orpington constituency is half green belt, and Darwin Ward is actually larger in area than the London Borough of Suffolk. <laughs> Um, but only has 5,000 voters and a lot of sheep. So um, <clears throat> so I think people do come from that, and I've met quite a few people recently who've moved out of Lewisham into Bromley, uh, particularly with COVID. Mm. People are, are now realising being shut in a flat is not, not a good thing, and they want gardens. And yeah, with children, there are lots of parks all around the borough, everywhere. And at the Pengen, we've got the massive um, Crystal Palace Park, as you know. So we're really well blessed for green spaces. Chislehurst Common protected by conservators. Pet, um, Petswood sort of joins that as well. So I, mm. I think it really is uh, the greenness of the borough. And I think, I mean, I'm biased, but I think the people in this borough are exceptionally nice all over. And I wouldn't say I've found that everywhere else. Um, and then in terms of business, um, clearly we're a pretty well-educated borough, so um, it's a good place to recruit the workforce. And then historically, we clearly we've got a lot of people work in the city. Um, and in the print, a lot of people worked on the newspapers and in before newspapers demise occurred and, and their late trains um, out of Charing Cross actually put on specifically for that people coming now they're put on for late night socialisers <laughs> uh, you were telling me before that, uh, that we have a garden suburb in our midst we do um, the ward I represent um, is one of two gardens has one of two garden suburbs in London the other one being Hampstead and it's a bit of a battle at the moment because the developer laid it out and the concept is you've got houses on large plots and the gardens come down to the roadside so it doesn't seem like mm -hmm. a massive housing estate. It's houses dotted in greenery. And defending it is a major problem at the moment because new people come in, possibly they look at it and like it, but possibly don't have a full understanding of what they're moving into and how valuable it is. And with theft of cars, which is an issue in this borough, people are tending to put up brick walls and gates, which is totally against the garden, mm. garden suburb concept. And also, another thing people are doing a lot in this borough is extending their houses. It happened all over the place. And when the concept of a garden suburb is a house and a spacious garden, and you think, whoopee, side space, fill it in. If both houses do that and you get the terracing effect, you've ruined the garden suburb, which is what you came for. And the other thing with the garden suburb, uh, developers were given a brief and they're starter homes for people. They're not all grand homes like people think. Mm. 
and part of the extension is putting sheds on roofs and you've got this beautiful garden suburb with the even roof lines mm. being a really key part of that and the people are coming in and because of permitted development rules there are a lot of things you can do to your house it's not the planning permission and they're just yeah. actually ruining the garden suburb whether knowingly or not I don't know some of them seem to be quite selfish no it's my house I'm going to do what I want to do with it and it's quite awkward for the residents association and all of us um, getting it right it's also not looking at the long-term effects of it all no and we I went up with Alexa who I mentioned earlier <laughs> <laughs> Alexa, Alexa. Alexa Michael who's chairman of planning we went um, saw Kit Malthouse who's then the housing minister and one of the problems we have is we say no, they could go to Bristol and can appeal to the planning inspectorate, but the planning inspectors are totally inconsistent. So you'll get a decision doing a hip to gable extension, no, that's ruined. And then another one will come down and we'll let it through. And it's a material planning consideration. So once one gets through, a lot do. So we went up to lobby our MP, uh, the chief planner in the country, I didn't know we had one, it was mm. Steve Quartermain at the time, mm. but he's moved on as well. Um, but the suggestion that came out of that meeting was we should put in conservation areas because that then, mm. people can still apply for planning permission, but they can't do things under permitted development. So, and if, people can extend their houses, but if they do it, say backwards so it doesn't affect the street view no problem with it but it, it's actually the unfettered permitted development that causes all the problems mm. it's very interesting to learn in effect more about what councillors end up getting involved in yeah. uh, and, and frankly I don't know enough about that yet but one thing you have told me is that you've achieved some things along the way in your career as a councillor that you're quite proud of one of them involving equal pay for example would you like to talk a bit, a bit about those things what is quite interesting i actually managed to get a national law changed um in my constituency there's a block of flats it's only three stories high um four old people and uh, no lift for some reason or other so they wanted a stair lift on the stairs and there has to be or a certain width of stair for the stair lift and for people to walk down mm -hmm. and this particular block of flats the stairs were too narrow for the stair lift so when I tried to get a chair lift for one of the residents um, they were being supported by their son-in-law and money was available to put it in I got told no you can't put it in because there's not enough room people wouldn't get out in a fire mm. and I said well that's ridiculous I said they'll be stuck in their flat they wouldn't get out in a fire anyway so um, I'm trying to think who I think it was um, John Horham at the time he went to Jane Clapson the minister responsible for that sort of thing and I don't think it went through Parliament it was done um, merely as an amendment that they can do 
and the law got changed and they got their chairlifts. So I was pretty chuffed about that. That nobody in Romley could actually get a national law changed. And I'm having another go at the moment. Gareth Bacon, our MP, has got a 10-minute rule bill in Parliament. Now, they usually fail. But what I suggested to him is what we need, a lot of people at the moment don't even bother with planning permission, they just build. Then if they get found out, the law says they have to apply for retrospective permission. Now, they're taking a gamble because they could be told to pull things down, but they know in general that doesn't happen. Um, So it's a bit of a menace that law. So I said to Gareth, we really need a law that says if you do something that requires planning permission without that permission, make it a criminal offence because it would just mm. stop it. Mm. And one of the big problems we've got in the borough down at Knockholt at the moment is travellers come, put down concrete and all sorts of things, don't bother with permission. Um, everyone thinks it would just be development, it would stop. It would actually be incursion on the green belt and things being built and ruined. So 10-minute rule bills normally fail, but I would have thought every MP in the country would actually think this was a good law. And another thing I've asked him to have a go at is houses in multiple occupation, because another problem in the borough is and companies are doing this, they're buying houses, putting on extensions that are inappropriate for the property. So great big back extension on a two bedroom terrace, Mm -hmm. then converting it to houses in multiple occupation. And this can all be done uh, without planning permission. So hoping to deal with that as well. So Petswood is planning, planning and planning. Thing is, though, that, um, and particularly also because you are deputy mayor now, you were deputy mayor before, your knowledge extends more widely across the borough. Uh, and therefore, you know things that happen elsewhere uh, to quite a reasonable extent, too. Mm-hmm. And when we were talking before, you told me about things that may or may not still be going, but Pineapple Club. Uh, a group for Somali people yes. uh, and things like this. Is there things from other wards uh, around the borough that you'd like to flag up um, during this? Yes, people do say that everyone should be mayor or deputy mayor before they become a councillor because it really is an eye-opener. And the Pineapple Club you mentioned, Retired West Indians, uh, is an absolute joy to visit be- because... West Indian music from their youth, which I love anyway. Um, Really nice people there. I can pull their leg and talk about when the West Indies used to have a decent cricket team. (laughs) (laughs) Always comes to cricket, doesn't it? It it does. um, In fact, I've been on a cruise to the West Indies and you turn up uh, with a load of Americans who are visiting Antigua. (laughs) And... You're, you've got the driver in the coach and you get to the cricket ground and you say, oh, is that where the master blaster made his fastest hundred? Yeah. And the look, and you just know you've won them over. Yes. So it is really good. If, if you, And cricket is amazing. Sri Lanka, every bit of dirt track, you've got boys and girls play cricket every moment. And they absolutely adore it. And the Indian 
Premier League now. But we divert from Bromley, don't we? <laughs> no, not entirely, we don't, because um, Beckenham Cricket yeah. Club is one of the places I'm going to take an interest in with this. I'm a great believer we shouldn't be Greater London, but back in Kent, and of course mm. Kent Cricket mm-hmm. Club. And actually it's a big issue at the moment because we've got housing targets. And if you want to keep the green belt, that, and brownfield sites are very rare, either you can knock down big houses and put big blocks of flats up, and that's happened a lot in Beckenham. Mm. And yes, it's happening more and more and people regret it. And as we spoke earlier, people want gardens. gardens. Or you have to build up, which brings us to the other controversy in Orpington where proposals were for a 25-storey tower, now 19, um, which will be coming to Development Control Committee very soon. And people's views are the main part of my post back at the moment. But that's as a ward councillor. But... One of the really nice things about this borough is it's becoming more and more cosmopolitan and when you're Deputy Mayor you get really spoiled because groups invite you. So Bromley Asian Cultural Association mm-hmm. went to, which was lovely, um, and then there's a Chinese group. Chinese groups seem to teach us Tai Chi, I find. Most mm-hmm. of the groups seem to be based around Tai Chi. There's a a wonderful one at the Sanderson Hall in the Crays and I went there when I was deputy mayor the first time and they've been inviting me every year since and that's 15 years and they're 15 different Chinese New Year's so I've been almost round the clock with Chinese New Year's Amazing. so and then the volunteer groups doing things running food banks just yeah. amazing I went post-up, master, retired in Farnborough after 41 years. Somebody done that, just quite amazing. And then you find out rather interesting things. The post office scandal where people were thought to be stealing money from the post office. He actually had that as well. But because he kept such good records, he could explain that he couldn't possibly have had this overnight debt for 80000 so the post office actually knew from local postmasters that this was going on and swearing them to secrecy, which is pretty awful, I, I think. And we've got a similar thing hit the news at the weekend yeah. in Kenya and the army barracks. People there sworn to secrecy. So it's really bad. Some of these things go on when things shouldn't. Okay. Now, I believe you're uh, part of the bridge scene around here. Um, I am an enthusiastic bridge player. Um, I won't tell you that at Chislehurst Sickup Grammar School we had free periods. (laughs) And um, they may not all have been spent on study. So I got into the... But I got into the game, but it's actually a fan... We talked about sport going around the world. Mm bridge is even better Mm. Um, and I've emailed the bridge club in Colombo in Sri Lanka said would you be able to find me a partner if I came to play and they did and instead of meeting all the holiday people you meet proper people which is and 
So really good on that point. I mentioned in private discussion earlier, I've been to two bridge clubs in Dubai, one with women who lunch and another one with <laughs> Jack the Lads doing their mm. business in the evening. Really interesting to meet the people that live there, talked about it. And then I'm a great cruiser and I did one cruise from Los Angeles to Hawaii and back. Well, it's three days each way and they had bridge on board. So that was brilliant. There was some uh, old lady, Widdy from San Francisco was my partner. So that was very good. And more recently, I've done a tour of South America. They had cards on board, but no bridge director. So I took it upon myself because I've been taught to teach bridge. So I arranged the bridge and we had South Americans, Spanish, Australians, Fantastic. all sorts of things. So really cosmopolitan set playing bridge. And I did one cruise from Perth to Sydney, or it would have been, had Qantas not grounded their air fleet. And I've been stranded in Singapore for five days. But one of the ladies playing bridge said, was I staying on at the end of the cruise in Sydney? Which is a rather silly question. <laughs> anyway, she volunteered to come in, pick me up, um, on, and my wife and the person that I partnered a bridge, um, and she'd take us for a tour. So went to Botany Bay, where Captain James Cook landed, Blue Mountains, oh, big fantastic. tour, all through bridge. So just quite amazing what mm. it does. And then I recently, I've been to Beijing and Shanghai and was on a cruise that departed from Shanghai and went round Japan. And it was about two-thirds Chinese people on board and it wasn't organised bridge but again I got people together and a, a Chinese guy came and I said I'd partner him and he didn't speak a word of English <clears throat> and I can just say ni, ni hao and shri shri and ni and that, that's my limit and I didn't know what the Chinese bidding system were because different countries bid their hands in different ways so and normally you get bidding boxes so if you bid one club you put down something that's got one and the club symbol they didn't have that on board the ship so with this Chinese guy we had to write the symbols and write the English word so that he could bid it's quite a fascinating thing to yes. do but I didn't know what his bid bidding system was and wasn't able to look it up in advance so I was trying to work out what bidding system he was using as we went along. And I found out it was a Chinese bidding system that became popular in the West about 20 years ago when a Chinese team did really well. And, and then I knew what he was playing. But he was obviously a very good player because when you lead, you put your card face down in case you've led out of turn and you ask are there any questions so he was putting the card face down it's ridiculous because <laughs> we couldn't speak Chinese <laughs> so I knew he was a good player because only a good tournament player would do that or a regular tournament but it's player. tuning into the signals isn't it and the body language yes. and all of that so interesting it's amazing it's brought friendships and Australian friends come over and I've taken them up to the House of Commons um, Charles Darwin House and Down, which is another yes. borough jewel. So it's just amazing what a simple game 
my um, spare lessons at grammar school what it led to. There you go. I love the way you brought that back to Bromley as well. That was very good. Yes. Um, yeah, one of the other things that oh, came up earlier was to do with um, Emma Raducanu, who we've talked about, not surprisingly, since yes. her feet are both when we were doing the new US Open. Uh, but uh, you actually got there before some other people in celebrating her. It was quite interesting because ob- obviously people in the borough were following her and there were posts on the media, um, particularly about Leila Fernandez, uh, mm-hmm. and they were looking at all the seeds and these two young girls. And I think someone in about the quarterfinal put on, what about Raducano Fernandez? Of course, it came to pass. When we got near the semi-final, I asked the leader, do, do we have a budget for an open-air bus? Obviously, we haven't, because <laughs> that. Um, but what I personally hoped was we could have made contact with the family um, before the final. Mm. And actually, it would have been fun, really, to have collected her at Heathrow in an open-air bus and brought her back to Bromley, wouldn't mm. it? But that would have been yeah. never happened. And obviously, she stayed on. And... But we had a bit of problem with data protection because all the newspapers seemed to know where Emma Raducanu's parents lived. Mm. And we, obviously, on electoral rolls and council tax bills, had the information in Bromley. But the Data Protection (laughs) Act would not allow the mayor to know what that was. So that's actually quite impressive about how we protect people's data. And and even for the mayor, it's not going to be bent. Yes. So that, that's actually it's very interesting. Yeah, you wouldn't Did think you, that. Sorry. sorry, go ahead. Didn't you um, have the Petswood lights or something with her? <laughs> um, we had Petswood lights <laughs> with Dina Ashley Smith. Thank you. I'm getting my I'm getting my famous Bromley. Yes, people. you are. There's just too many of them. There's too many. Yeah. Yes, because I mean, she went to Perry Hall School where I used to be a yeah. governor of, so she lives near Petswood mm. anyway, and I mean she's been doing very well for ten years. Mm. So one year before all, all the demand on her time, we invited her to the lights, and she's absolutely delightful, truly delightful. But I think it may have been good training for her because probably was one of the early media things Publicist that she got involved in, yeah. public engagement. Amazing. But such a lovely girl, really. But the, the trouble is when they... A successful agents come in and this is the interesting thing with Emma Raducano it's pretty I mean I'm speculating I'm, it's not knowledge but she's obviously got an agent dealing with all business matters and as you know the Labour group try not to be political um, proposed freedom of the borough for her but nobody had asked and the message we got back from the management company is they don't want a fuss. Now, when I worked for Philips, we did a lot of trade with the Japanese company and the Confucius Society um, believe everybody's perfectible, but also they, they can't say no. Mm. So when you deal with a Japanese company, when they say that will be difficult, that means no. And if you don't know the lingo, you think, well, what can I do to get round the difficulty? And the answer is you couldn't. And we had back from Emma's management people, they don't want to fuss. 
that means no, yeah. I believe in management speak, I may be misinterpreting it. Mm. So it's all very interesting, but she was obviously allowed time off for the James Bond premiere, but mm. <laughs> or wearing Tiffany jewels. Yes. And, and I think there's a fashion house, but you can't blame them at all, can you? No. But um, at her moment, the coach seems to be the problem, and I think she's gone with her dad to Romania for the competition there and it's a bit sad actually they got very bad covid at the moment so the romanian crowds which would absolutely love her being there but they may not be able to have too many in the stadium Mm. i think it'd be quite nice to have her more into the representation of the london borough of romney because she's iconic for here and we haven't had anything and she's more i think moreover i see her as an inspiration for the younger generation and i think that is really fundamentally important oh she is already and uh, she already is but it's nice if where she's come from oh yeah and but, follow that but she's been so good because mm. she's been back to uh, primary school, school and, and all of that used mm. no she's clearly an absolutely wonderful person and just amazing for an 18 year old yes really. the way she's spoken is incredible yes. as well well i, I think her parents situation. should probably write a good parenting book shouldn't they really <laughs> absolutely uh, no, it's, I mean, it's not easy no. juggling all of that, and and I think the emotions and the way she's been with the media, and then her bucket list is visit the New York Stock Exchange from her economic studies. Yes, you think, wow, what what a what an individual! And you can see that she's wanting to hold on to who she is. Yes, and you know how she's grown up, what she wants to do. Yes, with her passion of tennis. Yes, and. Her the sort of love of her grandparents in two countries. It's just fantastic, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely beautiful. So Nana in Romania, hopefully, <laughs> will get to see her play tennis. I think it's about 300 miles from Bucharest. Okay. Yeah, that will be wonderful. But it, it's a bit ironic that her father, I think, escaped Nicolae Ceausescu. Mm. And I actually met his son, which rather strange because Nicolae Ceausescu was fated because he wasn't the rest of the communist bloc Mm. even though he's pretty awful and a delegation from Romania came over to England which included Nicolae Ceausescu's son and it was mainly Labour Party contact and they thought because I think Tories were in opposition then and they thought maybe they should invite a Tory group and he came down to the Tory disco at the Marlow Rooms in Sitcom. <laughs> so it's weird, isn't it? it how, is. how you meet Funny these how people. It turns out. Um, in terms, of, sort of looking at Bromley now, moving kind of forward, what do you see for the London Borough of Bromley moving forward? Very difficult. I, th- I honestly th- believe we're at crunch time, um, mm-hmm. mainly because of the London plan and the housing targets, one size fits all. Mm-hmm. And so it's changing in character and, and there are more and more flats going in everywhere, which I don't which I don't think people generally like. People have come here for the nice gardens and the woods and everything else. So you don't really want it changed to an inner London suburb. Mm. The Green Belt protects us at the moment, but it's going to be enormous pressure. Maybe yes. you don't have these flats if we have a bit of green belt. And I learnt yesterday someone has 
a company has speculatively bought some land in the craze. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of stuff going on that's a bit awkward. And then we've got ULES come down to the South Circular. I know from our GLA member, Peter Fortune, that, and he talks to the staff, that things are being drawn up mm. for a boundary charge. Now, whether that yes. is politically not possible, I don't know, but it is definitely something being considered. If that comes in, that, that is an absolute disaster for Bromley because people from the PRU, a lot of our police force, a lot of our workers are all coming across the border. Yeah. And if you live in various villages in Kent, public transport isn't necessarily a Not way nice. you can get yeah. to the borough. So I, I see the borough, which is, apart from quite a few of the flats, is largely mm. unspoiled um, from when I was in Chislehurst. If I go to Chislehurst, cinemas, a church, and there are little things like that. And the school's expanded quite a lot on land, but, um, and we're now getting a school, a special school going on the Belmont Lane open space. So it's being intruded okay. on, yeah. but largely kept intact. And I can see all that if things go certain ways, just gonna lose that. just gonna change enormously. Mm. It's interesting, because I mean, more and more people do move out, especially after, you know, I don't want to keep bringing up the pandemic, but um, people want, like you said, they want the gardens, they want the greener space. And if it starts becoming that inner London, I'm not sure. But then also we're trying to increase the businesses to come to Bromley mm. to work because it is a great place to work. It is a great place to live. And it's about that balance. Yes. And it's got quite good communication because if you look where the Bromley oh, yes. South line <laughs> goes down into Kent, it's actually pretty good. Um, we tend to be commuter town more because Bromley South Victoria is very convenient. Um, it's a bugbear of mine there, no rush hour fast trains from Orpington, which is very strange as it's an interchange mm. station. But there is one from Chelsfield, which the moment it was introduced created a mammoth parking problem in Chelsfield because mm. everyone parked for the fast train to London. So so that that's the threat, but We've obviously got a lot of challenges in terms of ageing population, so they need looking after. And there seem to be a lot more special needs children. Now, whether that's the environment, we recognise things that we never recognised before. Mm. Because at my school, if you were naughty, admittedly grammar school wouldn't have the troubled pupils, mm. but you stood outside the classroom and went to the head study. Mm. And I don't know, maybe tough love sometimes might actually be better. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think it's a, it, yeah, it's a difficult one. Sometimes a little bit of tough love does work. Um, I think also, I mean, you know, coming from the educational sector, it could be that there are more, uh, I think we've spoken about this before, labelling, putting people into categories, therefore we need more facilities or schools for ex type of pupils or you know but and it becomes harder um, but then mm, 
this is like another topic on yeah. the educational centre. But, that I but could special talk about. needs attracts money, so I think it parents does, yes. cotton on that they can get more help for their child by doing things. But one thing that did bother me, my daughter teaches in local secondary, mm. but she um, taught in the pupil referral unit. Yep. I think she said about 18 months, much longer than teachers mm. usually stay. And the really frightening thing from that is if pupils go into the pupil referral unit, it seems to me their life's ruined. Mm. Very difficult mm. to get out from that. So the more we can do to stop, stop people reaching that stage. and if we could rec um, rescue the children from the pupil referral unit, that would be absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I mean, I think also it, it, it has to look over, like when we think about classrooms, the multitude of different abilities in a classroom and, you know, if they have uh, autism, ASD, you know, we get, look at all of this. Teachers do need that support and the support's not always there within schools. And I think if we had more of that, then it's less likely these children would go to the special schools yes, to some extent, I believe. When I visited Red Hill School, all the classes being taught, there were extra classroom assistants in there. Mm. So it's clear there is quite a lot of extra support being given, which mm. is very good. And um, the schools are very well planned for it now aren't they but they're it's all i think it's it's all the awareness is there maybe That's the resources right, yes. not the resources yes but i think the awareness is the number one step isn't it it is yes really. absolutely in understanding what's going on yeah, yes completely. Mm. great yeah uh, the, the sharing of understanding is clearly something which the mayor's office together with being a mm. councillor uh, has got an awful lot to do with anyway. Um, by the way, I was going to ask you, is this your first appearance on a podcast? Yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, you say that. may not quite be true. Um, when I was in Southampton in the 1960s, I lived in a Toc H hostel with um, 26 other guys, which was actually quite good because they are new to Southampton and... They knew all the local nurses, the teachers' training college, and the nightclubs. So, so it, 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 it's it's not a month, <laughs> two months finding your feet. But in the basement of Toc H was Hospital Radio, broadcasting to the local hospitals. Okay, yeah. And I did get interviewed by them. Now that wouldn't be a podcast in the modern sense, but it was probably the 1960s equivalent but went out live from the basement of this Toc H house. Um, live radio, there you go. To the hospital. I think that counts because, because podcasts are effectively uh, empowering individuals to be their own little pirate radio stations now. Mm. So, um, yeah, or it's and similar piratic too. sounds. Well, my show, my radio show, which is internet-based, then ends up on a podcast, doesn't it? Yeah. So it's there available to be downloaded and listened to by anyone at any moment in time and I think that's the beauty about podcasts. Well I hope that people will enjoy listening, listening to your appearance on you this know, one and um, all being well. Uh, it's full like of to knowledge. With you in future as well. Full of knowledge and insights. It's just incredible. I've learned so much. Well I've been a councillor since 1989 so <laughs> you, you, you kind of follow things mm. and then 
you get to know officers and you, you find out things going on in the council perhaps they don't want you to know. Um, if you've watched Yes Minister, yes. that's real life, honestly. And, <laughs> and you get mini Yes Minister in, in councils. And, um, well, I've had a recent one. Um, under the Constitution, you can request any item goes on any council agenda. And so I've recently requested an item. Um, I got a response from the officer within 24 hours. Could uh, That next committee was very crowded. Could I possibly have a private report which would be much better and um, it, I'd get it sooner? Does that sound like yes, Minister, to you? Yes. Mm, absolutely. There you are. There you go. <laughs> Still alive. <laughs> it, it may, to be fair, it may be quite true I will get a better direct answer and the Development Control Committee is full. We'll see. And um, I did exercise my right as well with um, the cycle lane in Orpington because um, December 18 I called it in and said this is a complete waste of three quarters of a million of public money, taxpayers' money, mm. and that got overruled. But when they started building it, it was clear the bit by Orpington, very unsafe. Yeah. And so I called that into committee and the chairman said that I'd found an obscure part of the constitution. <laughs> but so, so, so yes, there are things you can do, but actually knowing the constitution is quite useful. More, more people will now know about uh, all sorts of things all to do in the area and uh, yourself. Yourself, yeah, um, and it's really and nice to actually know more about the man behind the chain, the deputy mayor. Well, he's you know, a, and I think he's an overgrown schoolboy. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Tony Owen. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. <laughs>